Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a dire situation? I mean, so serious, it was creating anxiety, so much anxiety that it was going from anxiety to a great fear of the possibility of the worst thing happening to you or to those you love. I think we can all relate to this. I mean, I can. I mean, I got a story that even my wife didn't know until I shared it with her just this, well, just actually yesterday. It was our first baby being delivered, 1991. And it was not going as we had hoped for 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 32 hours of inducing labor. And I was... Right there with my wife and uh, watching the baby monitor, the heart rate. It went down to about 52, 50, 52. And I, and, I, and I remember that they had told me when it gets down to that number, it's okay for us, but not for the baby. Like that's extreme. So I hopped up and I, I ran to the door to go get help. But before I could, it seemed like there was an army of nurses and doctors and they all barged in because the heart rate monitor was there at the nurse's station. And before I could even say anything, they came in, they got Chris and they said, the baby's under distress, we're going to invert. And they literally inverted her bed. Her feet were up high and her head was down low in hopes of trying to get the oxygen to go down towards the baby. She wasn't breathing. They said, we have to do an emergency C-section. I don't know about you, but I faked it really good, guys. I was scared. I was petrified. I did what only thing I knew what to do. I started praying. I got everybody I knew. Call everybody you know. I called my family. I said, call, just pray. I got, a, I got a smock on. I got on the blue stuff. You know, I look like a doctor now. <laughs> I looked at the doctor. I said, I'm coming in. He knew not to mess. There wasn't time. He says, yeah, you're going to sit where I tell you. I'll sit there. Yeah, I, mean, I was ready to fight. I couldn't even talk normal. But I got in there. And all I was doing was praying. I thought I was going to lose my wife and my first baby. I was convinced, God, I'm desperate. I need you to intervene. It could all be over right now. What about you? Have you ever been there? See, I was not just praying for the situation. I was praying through the situation. We know how to pray for, but do we know how to pray through? I imagine I'm not alone finding oneself in a dire situation. Maybe you can remember that situation, that desperate place 
Maybe your loved one. Maybe you were needing help. Maybe it was finances. Maybe it's the marriage. Maybe it was your career. Maybe it was your business. Maybe it was your ministry. And tears are rolling down your face and you're desperate. God, this is serious. And I don't know what to do. I'm so happy that my Lauren is with us and my wife is with us. That cord is wrapped around her neck multiple times and she was purple. God saved her. Oh, that little side note. She came out, she started crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Love that crying baby at that moment. Amen. A few weeks later, different story, but on that moment it was good. <laughs> they, wheeled, they cleaned her up and finally they took her over to the nursery. You know, back when they would take them to the nurseries. And man, she was just crying, just crying. And this daddy just couldn't handle it. And I'm looking through the big window. And I saw somebody was going to be walking out. And I said, my perfect timing. As soon as that guy walked out, I was put in. And boop, I stooped my foot right there in that door. I walked in. I went right over to my baby. I said, it's okay, sweetie. Daddy's here. She stopped crying right then and there. I can go home, Jesus, right now. True story. True story. You know, it seems instinctively, if a person is going through a, not just a hard time, but a horrific time, something that's overwhelming, instinctively, people know how to pray for something. They just cry out. Oh God, if you're real. We know how to pray for something. But this sermon series, this is about teaching you how to pray through something. It's about an intensity. It's not about being disrespectful to God. It's about being able to go in as a family member of the household of God. You know, there's times where my kids, maybe you know what I'm talking about here, Dad, or maybe you know what I'm talking about, Mom. When that kid comes up to you and there's something in their voice, there's something in their eyes that says, I need you to help me. And you just kind of say, I'm dropping it off. What do you need? Why? Because it's storge. It's familial love. It's parental love. Remember in the Greek? And you will drop everything to help in any way you can because of real love. Well, <laughs> well, if you're listening to this via our podcast, we want to thank you for joining. And we pray that this message will help you take your next step closer to Christ. And Lord, I just pray right here, right now for all of us that as we dive into this new sermon series, Lord, about prayer and about praying through. Lord, you would help us, Father, to drop everything and say, I'm going to circle, I'm going to pray. Maybe in a way I've never prayed before. In complete honor and, and respect, but in a boldness, with an audacity, with a desperation. I need you, Heavenly Father. We pray this in the name that is above all names, in the name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Amen.
Well, Mark Batterson wrote a, a great book called The Circle Maker. As a matter of fact, I think I have it here. And if you don't have it, I, I recommend that you get it. He also wrote a second book, and this one's called Draw the Circle. And this one is a 40-day challenge. And, and they're really short. They're only like a three, four pages long, real short, two to three. And it's a small book to, on top of that. Folks, it's not just doing devotions and reading the Bible. You have to pray. And you can't just pray without reading the Bible. Are you trying to get, catch something? You can't just breathe out. You have to breathe in. You, the, the two go together to get, to get something, right? To breathe. It's the same thing. It's not just knowing the Word of God. You have to pray. It's not just praying. You have to read. In other words, you need them both. But when you do them both, wow, something dynamic happens. I'm going to be using the Mark Datterson's material on this sermon series. And it's in this book that he writes about the legend of Honey, the circle maker, and the, home, the name Honey is much like the name, well, Robert, because you got Robert, and you got Robbie, and you got Rob, and you got Bob. But it's still the same name, right? Well, you have the name Honey, but you also have the name Choni, you also have the name Onias, and it's all the same name of this legend of this incredible sage called Honey. And Honey's story, it's found in the, the deeds of the sages. It's also found in the legend, the book of legends, and in Every Man's Tone, written by some guy named Abraham Cohen. Even the Jewish historian Josephus writes about Honey, as well as a bunch of different Jewish historical books. They all write about the circle maker. So he was the first century before Jesus was born, and there was this devastating drought. A lot of historians say that this drought had been going on for about three years. And so the people are literally fearful that there will be the loss of a whole generation because of the drought. Everything will die. People, animals, everything will be gone. Three years. You know, rain is no big deal when there's lots of it. But when there's no water, it's the only thing on your mind. And so they reach out to this eccentric sage. And they say, you need to come and pray. Now remember, it was just 400 years where God did not speak through the prophets. There were no prophets it was silent. God was not speaking from heaven. And so to these people, all the stories of Abraham and Moses and Adam and Eve, that all must have been like fairy tales to them. And Honey had the audacity to believe, even though they couldn't hear God, that God could still hear them. And so he actually was a man of prayer. So they called him to come, and he came. And he shows up with his big staff. And they said, will you pray that rain should fall? And then, now, now here's, this guy is a character. Have you, have you not heard that it's been three years, no rain? 
And, and this is the first thing he says to them because they asked him to pray for rain. And he says, go bring your Passover ovens indoors so that they should not dissolve. What's he saying? You know those things that are made out of like an adobe, you know, like the, the mud and all that? Hey, if you leave it outside, the rain's going to come so hard and so heavy that it's just going to dissolve all your ovens. So you better bring all that stuff indoors. It hadn't rained in three years. You know, he goes and prays, and nothing happened. Now, you need to hear that part again. He is what they call a zedek. It's called like a righteous man, a priest. And he had prayed and nothing happened. Am I the only one in this room where you have prayed and crickets? Nothing happened. This is the priest. This is the big dude. You know what? He got a little perturbed. He pulled out his staff, he pointed in the sand, and he touched the ground, and then like a compass, he moves around in a circle. Then he has the audacity, standing in the circle he outlined in the sand, to say, let me read it to you. Master of the world, your children turn to me because I am like a member of your household. I swear by your great name that I'm not budging from inside the circle until you have compassion on your children. A rain began to drizzle. It sprinkled. It was light. And then Honey said, That's not what I asked for. I asked for rains to fill the cisterns, to fill the trenches, to fill the reservoirs. And a torrential rain came down. Witnesses said that the, the droplets of rain were the size of eggs. That's torrential rain. Anybody been in the Midwest and have one of them storms? You know where it is so much, you could have your windshield wipers on full and it doesn't do anything. It's torrential. Then Honey prayed again. That's not what I asked for. <laughs> I asked for reigns of goodwill, blessing, and generosity. And then a proper reign began to fall. But it continued to fall until the Jews went out of Jerusalem and up into the Temple Mount because it was starting to flood. So much rain. They actually, they came back and they found Honey and they said, just as you prayed that it would rain, would you now pray that it should stop? <laughs> now that was the day the legend of the circle maker was born. It had been difficult, if not impossible, to have faith to believe God for rain the day before. Been years. No prophets. Nothing. But after that day, after the rains, it would be impossible not to believe 
Ask Corky if he believes in prayer for healing. How many times God has healed him? Ask Karen what it's like to be healed by God. Ask Judy how it is to be healed of cancer. When you've had a miracle, you can't go backwards again. Well, he was celebrated like a, a hero. People's lives have been saved. But there's always some, and they were within the Sanhedrin. I wonder if this isn't the same group at some point. You know, either be the, the short distant relatives that would face Jesus in, in the near future. And they called the circle maker into question. Isn't that the case? A miracle happens, and now we got to go attack the guy. Did something really good. Well, you know what? We didn't get all the credit for it, so we're going to go after you. They actually said, if it, that they said they wanted to excommunicate him for what he had done. Can you believe that? But here's how it went. If not for the fact that you are honey, I would have issued a decree of excommunication against you. But what can I do against you? Listen, who nags the Almighty and God fulfills your wish. Like a child who nags his father and his father fulfills his wish. He's saying, you're just a spoiled brat. You so bug dad for the candy until finally he just gives it. Can you hear the jealousy? They didn't catch it. Honey didn't pray for himself. When he drew the circle, he prayed for what? These children of yours. God, take care of your kids. People are not always going to get you. And sometimes they're your own family. Sometimes they're quote-unquote friends. Don't let it discourage you. A miracle can still happen in one prayer. It was this prayer that saved a generation. Folks, that, that, that prayer, it just couldn't be repudiated. Honey was ultimately honored because of the miracle that God decided to do because he had the audacity to pray boldly. What a powerful story. And we also know that Elijah prayed for rain and God answered. But here's the big question. Are you willing to pray boldly for the dire situation in your life or in the lives of other people you care and love? Are you willing to pray like that? It's been more than 2,000 years since the day Honey drew that circle around himself. And do you know that God is still looking for circle makers? Let me move us over to Romans chapter 8. It's verse 31. It says, 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Paul says. Now catch this part. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? See, this is absolutely imperative as a believer that you come to terms with this simple yet life-changing truth. God is for you. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. He put out His arms and He died for you. In spite of you. In spite of me. In spite of them on your right. In spite of them on your left. In spite of those who came before you. In spite of those who will come after you. He says, I'm for you. See, we all can say God is good, but how many of you can really say God is good to me? Your guilt and your shame was nailed to the cross. Leave it there. God is for us. You know, if you don't believe that, Oh, you got to catch this. If you don't believe God is for you, you will pray timid prayers. Or worse than that, you won't pray at all. Now, now let me move to yet another miracle. The walls of Jericho. Here's a little backstory. So Moses has died. And the people had been in trouble and they were cursed to be out in the desert for 40 years. That's over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, he's actually in charge now. And God gives him a directive that he wants them to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. But he's going to start with the greatest opposition of all the land of Canaan. It's a city and the city is called Jericho. It is known for its walls. Now let me tell you about these walls. It's a very unique situation. There's only like 12 square acres. But outside, what they did is they started down low and they worked their way up this little mountain type thing. But as they go up, about 35 degrees, as they go up, right at the bottom, about six foot wide, they build this wall about 12 to 15 feet high. So when you climb up over that wall, you hit the bottom only to be going up and then climb once again to now another 20-some feet high wall. If you were to take from the base all the way to the tippy top, you're over four stories tall of a wall that's spread out with a big gap of an incline. So you hop the first wall, only have the archers shooting at you. And then you go, oh, forget it. I'm going to run back. Well, now you got to hop over the first wall. Now you're just shooting fish in a barrel. It's a horrible situation. You can't get around this. I'm telling you, everybody inside that city, they're not afraid. They're all going, we're good. We've got everything we need. we got the walls of Jericho. Now, if you're the Hebrews, are you like, God, are you sure we're supposed to go after the biggest and baddest opposition there is? So, yeah, 
<laughs> but here's how we're going to do it. We're not going to use any catapults. We're not going to use any rams. We're, we're not going to scale. the. No, no, no. We're going to do it this way. I got a great plan. We're, we're going to walk around it. What? Yeah, yeah. Put seven priests out there with ram horns and they're going to blow. And you guys, all, all the army guys, you're going to walk around it with them. And, and, and here's the one key. Because Joshua says it. God doesn't tell him. Joshua says it because he's a soldier. He knows better. Shut up. Don't speak. Be silent for seven days. So they walk around it once a day, go to back to the village, come back out, come back to the village, go back, base camp, back and forth. Six days. And on the seventh day, they were supposed to do it seven times, a total of 13. By the way, do you know there's 12 apostles or 12 disciples at Jesus 13? You know, the enemy of our soul takes numbers and different things and tries to pervert it. When God had set it up to be something good and holy. So here they are on the seventh day and they go seven times around. So let's read the scripture as we look at this incredible Jericho miracle. Starting at verse one. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. With the priests blowing the trumpets, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. So that's the plan. Like, hello, let's walk around, let's blow the horns. Let's do it 13 times and, and the walls of Jericho, they're going to go boop and just fall over. Okay, God. Do you see why they said be quiet? They weren't getting it. But because they were faithful to circle on the first day, something happened. Well, that felt weird. And then on the second day, I don't get it, guys, but this is feeling right. And the third day, oh my goodness. Man, God's with us, guys. Fifth day, ninth. Now they get to the twelfth. Now they get to. Now they're pumped. Now they can't wait. And then the horns. And then they scream and yell. And the walls came tumbling down. Doing it God's way may seem crazy in the natural. But supernatural is supernatural. It won't make sense to us. Verse 6, So Joshua son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before 
the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets, and the ark of the Lord covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout! So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circled, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the, next, the night there. Joshua got up early in the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpet. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and turned to the camp. Then did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Now I'm going to pop down to verse 20. It's not in your notes, but it's on mine. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword everything living in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. They tithed this victory to God. Jericho was never rebuilt. God had told them, do not rebuild it. So they didn't rebuild it. Matter of fact, it was ages later, somebody else rebuilt it and he lost his two sons. God has said not to rebuild it. It's an amazing thing. They didn't take any plunder. They didn't take any gold and silver. It was all given to the Lord. God proved once again that He keeps His promises and that He doesn't have expiration dates. He had promised them the promised land over 40 years ago. And He fulfilled it. So here's my question. What is your Jericho? What city, what promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? Drawing prayer circles starts with first identifying your Jericho. You have to know what you're praying for so you can pray through. What is it? What is it? It's typically that thing you can't get off your mind. It's always there. What's your Jericho? Is it your kids? Is it your business? Is it your retirement? Is it, is it your sickness? Is it your disease? Is it your marriage? What is it? You have to identify it. So you can pray around it. So you can pray through it. Now, more than a thousand years after the walls of Jericho and that miracle, another miracle happened at the exact same place with Jesus. 
Let's look at Matthew chapter 20. We'll start at verse 29. Jesus was on His way out of Jericho when these two blind guys start screaming out for Jesus. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting outside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I mean, what audacity. These blind guys, they're on the side of the road. They know he's out there somewhere. They don't know if he's right in front of him. He's way back there or he did he already pass. They, Lord, Son of David. And I love what happens with the crowd. Huh. Be quiet. The crowd yelled at them. You see, they just thought like these two guys are an interruption. Come on, show some respect. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, can you imagine? I just told you to be quiet. Be quiet. And they went even bolder. Did you catch that? They knew he was the answer. They had the audacity to yell, but this time, you're going to try to stop me? They just got bigger and bolder about it. They got louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called. Look at this part. Seriously, what do you want me to do for you? Are you seriously asking that question, Jesus? Seriously? They're two blind guys. You know they're blind guys. Why are you asking, what do you want me to do for you? They're blind. I think seeing would be right in the top of the list. He stops, he responds with that pointed question. He, force, he is forcing them to define exactly what they want from Him. Jesus made them verbalize their desire. Jesus made them spell out what it was they needed. But it wasn't because He didn't know what they needed. Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew what their Jericho was. That they would identify their need. Now that is where drawing prayer circles begins. Knowing what to circle. What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? Our generation desperately needs to rediscover the difference between praying for and praying through. There are certain circumstances where praying for something, yeah, it's going to get the job done and we need to pray for something. But there are also situations that you need to draw a circle where you need to call out the name 
Jesus, son of David, Lord. And refuse to let go until God answers. Like Honey, who refused to move away from that prayer circle that he would pray through. You intercede until God intervenes. Come on, child of God. I know it could be minutes, but also it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months, it could be decades. But you don't stop. You don't stop praying, mama. You don't stop. You drew a circle, mama. Daddy, you don't stop. That's your baby. You don't stop. Pastor, you don't stop. Church, we don't stop. We need a building. We don't stop. But I'm tired. I don't stop. But I'm hurt and I'm angry. Get over it. Put a little mud and dirt on there. Now move on. Let's go. Pick up that weapon. Let's go. You see, when we pray like this, it's like being in war. There's a warrior mentality. Not to be mean, not to be ugly, but to be determined that the cause is right before God. It's kingdom-minded. It's for His kingdom. It's not for us. It's for Him. He wants every soul to be with Him in His heaven, in His mansion, in His family, at the table. We don't stop. Praying through is all about consistency. It's circling Jericho so many times that it makes you dizzy. Praying through is all about intensity. It, it's not about qualitative how many times. It's about qualitative the authenticity of your heart. Drawing prayer circles involves more than words. It's gut-wrenching. It's moaning. It's groaning. It's heartbreaking with tears. My wife and my baby were going to die. I found out I could pray that day. Praying through doesn't just bend God's ear. Praying through, it literally, it, it literally moves the heart of God for you. Let me just ask you, is it just about to close? When was the last time you found yourself flat on your face before the Almighty? Child of God, it is time to start circling. Lord, I pray for all of us right here. This is a challenge for each and every single one of us to pray, to pray through, to not just pray for. Lord, we see it, whether it was Elijah, whether it was Honey, whether it was blind guys crying out to Jesus. God, there's something about being authentic and real and saying, God, will you intervene? 
Will you set the captive free? Will you provide what seems impossible? Will you heal? Lord, you healed leprosy, which was impossible to cure. Blind eyes to see. That's impossible. You rose the dead. That's impossible. God, we have things in our life that we would be honest with you and others. It's impossible. But you, you are the God who does the impossible because Jesus says nothing is impossible with you. Lord, I pray that we take the challenge with the conviction that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because in the natural, I don't have it. Through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, my champion, because my Heavenly Father is for me, not against me. Help me to circle, God. Help us all to circle, to take the challenge by conviction. Your will, your way, and in your time. And in Jesus' name we pray, and we say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.